Blog Talk Radio. Thursday, July 30th, 2020, day 96 towards our rigged elections, as the president said today in his news conference. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, along with my co-host every Tuesday and Thursday, Mr. Brandon Carmody. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Hello, Scott. Hello, everyone. I'm reporting here from Portland, Oregon, where our entire city is completely under siege. Just kidding. There you it's go. It's only two city it, blocks. It, it's only two blocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are coming at you live, guys, today. We don't always get to do this with Brandon on Tuesday, Thursday, but we are live. If you feel like calling in today, the phone number is 347-989-0126. If you want to let us know what's on your mind. And in just a couple of seconds here, we're going to be joined uh, by Bill Kelly. He's a self-proclaimed vegan, Christian, socialist, activist, jokester, musician who loves to bake. That sounds like somebody who used to live in Oregon is currently from Southern California. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. How are you all doing? We appreciate you calling in, sir. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, there's a plethora of, ta- of uh, subjects to start with. Brandon, what's on your hot button first, my friend? Um, well, first of all, Bill, hello. Um, and I had forgotten about the murder hornets. So sorry to could pull down that in the intro. That's right about the murder hornets. That's hysterical. But that was so one hour ago. Okay, so the thing that dominated the thing that dominated my headlines today was another damn Trump tweet. Uh, basically, Trump floats delaying the 2020 election. And this is something that I've seen a lot of coverage on, and I currently have a Politico piece pulled up in front of me. But basically, he tweeted out, um, just giving you the highlights, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, the 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. Trump wrote on Twitter, it'll be a great embarrassment to the USA, delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Bill, why don't we go over to you? What are your thoughts on that? The president is, again, raising the idea that there's mass voter fraud with absentee and mail-in votes. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's just like an obviously another – I mean, we kind of all saw this coming. A lot of us predicted it. It's just that it's obviously he's, he's, he knows that he's, he's losing power and he's losing – even his fan base is slowly creep is, is going away. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's the Republicans that are supporting Biden now. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious that, you know, he wants to stay in power. He doesn't trust the election because he knows the election is not going to be in his favor this time. And so I think he's just drawing at anything that he can possibly do. And, of course, he, he's happy to spew misinformation. I mean, we've seen that for years now. That's not really a surprise when he spews something that's not accurate. Um, and, you know, he's, and it's a violation of the Constitution, and there's so many steps to be involved to changing 
I mean, you know, there's just there's it, it's just uh, ridiculous. Right, it's not going to happen. I mean, the only way you can change an election, it has to go through Congress. This is not a presidential power that he has. Um, the con- the Constitution gives Congress the power to set dates for elections, and even Mitch mm-hmm. McConnell today said we're not moving the elections, and he is part of Congress. So you knew that Nancy Pelosi was not going to do it. You already have Mitch right. McConnell chiming in saying he's not going to do it. So he can spout about it all he wants. In fact, as you said, you and others and Biden predicted this months ago that he was going to try to right. do this. So it's like it's not a surprise to anybody really. It's just kind of. No, I believe, I believe it was in, I believe it was in April. I believe it was in April that Biden called made a prediction publicly that Trump was going to do this. And then, of course, you right. know, all of us knew, and then all of us observers just kind of predicted that it was, you know, because you're you're watching this step by step, piece by piece, sort of attempted fascist or dictatorship that Trump's been trying to do, um, and discrediting everything that doesn't work his way. So, it, you know, it was just sort of that next step. Now that we're so close to the election, right? Exactly, and. When I'm doing show prep, I try to go to all the major news outlets. I hit Politico and MSNBC and CNN, and then I go to Fox, and I wash my hands carefully afterwards. But on Fox today, (laughs) uh, the news commentators uh, are trying to say that, well, it has been done before in wartime and pandemic, so it's not a first time that a president has ever postponed the election, which could be factually accurate. I have not checked that. But uh, like I said, it cannot be done by a president. It was done by the Congress those two times whenever it was done. So, uh, yeah. So Fox is already trying to give well, a little leeway on that in the sycophant network. Well, it is factually in- incorrect. We have we have done normal elections because I, I briefly just looked it up. And, and we, there's there's no record since 1845 since the, you know, since it was put in the Constitution um, about our when our election is. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, we've gone through wars without delaying the election. It hasn't happened once on record um, where we've delayed an election, even through the Civil War, through World War One and Two, we never delayed an election. Fox um, lied. You know, color me surprised, Bill. <laughs> I, 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 I was as shocked as you are. Let me tell you. Um, and I didn't see that Fox Fox News blurb myself. I, but I did see articles related to, you know. I think it might even been one of the senators um, or somebody in power that made made that statement specifically that we have gone through wars and all these things without ever delaying an election before. So it came from somebody, I believe, that was Republican and in power, uh, if I remember my source, you know, that I read earlier, correct? I Can go I on the Fox News site so you don't have to, Bill, and I wash my hands thoroughly afterwards, so we're good. You don't I don't, cool. don't subject yourself to that. <laughs> I try not to. I, I as little as possible, and it's always, uh, yeah, a wash your hands after experience for me too. One, Brandon, one thing I want to throw something? in here. Well, just that um, there's been no factual basis for the fraudulent claims about the mail-in and the absentee voting, and a lot of the punditry that I watch, I'm particularly fond of uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika from Morning Joe, have been pointing out that. All of the polling and everything that we know up to this point shows that if mail-in ballots come in, you know, if we go that direction and mass mail-in ballots due to coronavirus, that he will lose in a landslide. Donald Trump knows how badly he will lose the election. That's why he's attacking the validity 
of these measures. There's no factual basis to support the fraudulent claims, folks. None. Right. Now, my only thing with mail-in ballot, I like your guys' opinion on it, because one of the things uh, Trump said in the news conference today is, I, I think there'll be the fraud, and we have to have the live count the day of the election. I don't understand why we wait three weeks for mail-in ballots. I understand postmarking could delay some, but shouldn't we count all the ones that come in as they come in? Why do we wait until afterwards to count them? I mean, I understand you can't sway an election. We elect Board of, Reg- board of uh, Voters in every county to make sure they don't talk about this kind of stuff. I don't understand why it takes so long to count these mail-in votes, personally. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. And I, you know, I guess it's just another one of those bureaucratic processes that we have to start working on, that along with so many others about, you know, in terms of like doing something efficiently and honestly and straightforwardly that we're just not doing currently. Right. Like add, added right. to the list of, you know, of everything else. Exactly. Brandon, anything else to add on this topic, or send us to our next one, my friend? Well, uh, do we have any callers, aside from callers that are just listening in, do we have any potential callers that might have a thing or two to add? No callers yet, but you're welcome to call in, guys and gals. It's 347-989-0126. We'll be here for another 45 minutes, so give us a call. Well, I guess my final thought on, on this particular topic is that I believe that there was some some blowback to the president's tweet um, particularly from members of the Republican Party, but he did not really walk it back at the uh, really, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, really OCDC presser that he held today. He really, really kind of stood on it, and it's just kind of a walking train wreck when you got the President of the United States giving these pressers, spewing out all the misinformation. He's, he's basically still standing on it. And he's insisting that we deserve to know on election night, no delay, no delay, no delay. Well, you all know very well that he has a team of lawyers and they have some pre-printed legal strategies for what they're going to do if he loses. You know it. You know it. Right. No, yeah. very true. And it's just uh, – it's, it's, it's the playbook. And one of the things that Trump is very, very good at is controlling a narrative. And the way he controls the narrative is by repeating the same thing over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. He just repeats it enough until his base thinks it's true. And so he's going to keep harping on mail-in ballots being fraudulent every day right up to Election Day, no matter what proof comes that there isn't. I mean, right now I think they said that it's a .0006% voter fraud in all of the country has happened. So, yeah, he's just going to keep trying to push the narrative. Not going to change. In other major news today, um, the funeral for John Lewis was held at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta today. And you had three former presidents of the United States eulogize John Lewis, which included former President uh, George W. Bush. Um, You had Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, who, as I would like to note here before I toss it to you guys, has been relatively silent in following the sort of rules of, um, you know, not going after the incumbent, so to speak. 
Uh, let's just say that that changed today. Barack Obama gave a rousing speech during the eulogy for John Lewis, of which he delivered sharp criticism of his successor Thursday without naming him by name. And um, do, you have, do we have a clip of that? I do. We have a short clip. We'll go ahead and play and talk on the other side here. This is uh, Obama talking a little bit about the elections and about what's happening in the country right now. That we have to be vigilant against the dark occurrence of this country's history, of our own history, with their whirlpools of violence and hatred and despair that can always rise again. Bull Connor may be gone, but today we witness with our own eyes police officers kneeling on the necks of black Americans. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons against peaceful demonstrators. We may no longer have to guess the number of jelly beans in a jar in order to cast a ballot. But even as we sit here, there are those in power who are doing their darndest to discourage people from voting by closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws and attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the Postal Service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots so people don't get sick. Now, I know this is a celebration of John's life. There are some who might say we shouldn't dwell on such things. But that's why I'm talking about it. John Lewis devoted his time on this earth fighting the very attacks on democracy and what's best in America that we're we're seeing circulate right now. He's getting, getting a little grayer, but he's still got it. You still got it. I miss that kind of leadership. That that gives me a lot of uh, a lot of nostalgia and and a sad face that we no longer have that kind of leadership, guys. I'm right. I'm right thought. there with you. Yeah. Well, I, I, thought it was, I didn't get to earlier. see the. Inter- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, I was going to say, I saw that same clip earlier, and um, I also had the same reaction um, as you all did, just, you know, missing that kind of, that kind of leadership, that kind of voice, that kind of, um, you know, respectable and confident voice that he has. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I just, I agreed with it. I loved it. Um, and I missed it. Yeah. I don't even know what else to say. It was like, it's almost like he's like, he's still a better leader out of office than our current leader. 
Oh, right? I've, got, I've just, got something to say, if you want. The uh, He's the arch nemesis to our president. Now it's time to play dirty politics. How long has Donald Trump, pre-being the president, been tweeting about Barack Obama and starting the birther movement? Obama is his nemesis. Think about it, that, guys. These two are like Batman and the Joker, right? Yeah. It's a good analogy. Well, it, it's been said before, and this all started when Obama and uh, Seth Meyers made fun of him at the Washington Correspondence Center. And that was when he took it upon his mantle to make him his joker, as you said, make him his enemy, make and spur him to run for office. And that's been his impetus the entire time. He takes any shot he can, anything he can do to remove a legacy from Obama, he does. I just think it's very telling that we have three out of the four, three out of the five living presidents here one of them being Jimmy Carter, who is now 90 years old, and it's health-wise not smart for him to go to this thing. And the sitting right. president of the United States refusing to visit him while he was laying in state in Congress or to go to the funeral. Uh, whether he's welcome or not, I mean, he wasn't really welcome at George Bush's that he went. Um, it's just It shows a lot that we have three out of five sitting there giving eulogies, three of them giving eulogies, the current president not giving a eulogy, and then Carter, of course, he just, he, he just can't afford it at his age. But I just thought that was very interesting. I don't know why Hillary wasn't there. It was strange that Hillary wasn't there. That was just a side hmm. note on my side. But um, oh, yeah, interesting. it was a very, very moving. The little parts that I saw, I had to take my mom to her doctor's appointment <laughs> today, so I missed a lot of it. Um, but it was it was a long one. It was going on when I got back, and I left like two hours, three hours before that. So but it seemed like it was very appropriate. Yeah, it was it was substantive as well. I mean, so for example, Obama literally during the eulogy endorsed the idea of eliminating the sixty vote filibuster in the Senate that's required for most pieces of legislation to advance. And also, you know, to keep undoing some of these Jim Crow laws that are still in existence. How many times have you guys annoyed that legislation can't get through because of filibuster? You hear it all the time, filibuster, filibuster, filibuster. Well, that's right. a two-edged sword as far as I'm concerned, though. That's why we're getting – that's why Trump was allowed to appoint 200 judges over these three years because it used to be 60 votes. To confirm a judge and we have 200 conservative judges voted because Mitch McConnell got rid of the filibuster for judges so it only takes a majority vote which the Republicans had this term so they put up 200 conservative judges across the country in lifetime appointments so I am I understand there's problems with the filibuster there definitely has been in the past but in the polarized times that we live in now, I think it's more important than ever. Before, when it wasn't as polarized, it was a stunt whenever someone did a, some, uh, did a filibuster. That was pretty much a stunt for something they were really passionate about. Now, because mm-hmm. we've removed most of the filibusters, that's how we got our Supreme Court nominees, because they only needed 51 votes. They didn't have to have – I mean, we, didn't, we wouldn't have had the two justices we have on now. It's the filibuster – uh, was still there. 
So I don't necessarily agree with that. I understand what he's saying. But I personally think the filibuster should be reapplied in a lot of areas. That's Folks, if you're, listening live, if you're listening live to the last 100 days, please give us a call. It's 347-989-0126. We're talking all politics all the time. Um, we're, we're still on the Obama eulogy speech, uh, but we're about to move on from that unless we have any callers. And the only thing I would add, I wanted to add to, to this topic a little bit that I always kind of think about is, uh, you know, we're talking about legislation and things being approved and things changing. The thing that always boggles my mind is we do have a government that is willing to change things literally overnight if it wants to, because it has. But look at what, you know, does anybody remember um, the famous nipple incident, you know, Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake, I believe it was. Do you remember that show where it was like the big scandal on live TV where, you know, during the performance, we saw Janet Jackson's nipple for a second and it couldn't be censored because did you, do you all remember that whole incident many years ago? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, 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 it was the old version of scandal now replaced by our current dystopian reality, but yes. Yeah. Heard around the world. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, the whole point of that though was, you know, it, it overnight the government enacted like changed like a whole I, I think it was like a law I mean I, it's been a long time since I looked at all the specifics on this but I remember like the next day there was a whole change in policy based off that that was just enacted like overnight so that would never happen again uh, if you remember if you remember that and I just thought that that was mind-boggling that you know oh we do have a government and the Congress and all this, that, that is, that is willing to do, make a change when something happens that they don't like overnight. And the next day it's, it's different. It's just that those are the kind of things our government is willing to do that for, and you know, a nipple on TV, but not all these other crazy things that need to be fixed in this country. Exactly. That go through these long processes, you know? So, yeah. Well, guys, we got a caller on the line. I'm going to go ahead and bring Robert on. Robert, welcome to the last hundred days. What do you have to talk about today? Well, good afternoon, everyone um, on the station. Well, I was in touch with Brandon. Um, everybody loves Brandon, but um, you know, on the issue of the political arena in in Washington, it is so changed. And I do, however, have a prediction. Um, for what is going to actually happen um, come November. And so, hey, if people want to know what that prediction is, um, they'll have to tune into my own show. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what, it's going to be very alarming. Um, I will uh, tell you that much. But Donald Trump, he is not willing, as we know, he's not willing um, uh, to, to accept defeat no matter who defeats him. Um, he That is just not his nature. But uh, having said that, um, the the uh, peaceful transfer of power in Washington when it comes to the election, when it comes to the inauguration, all of this cu- upcoming, um, it is not going to be a uh, protocol for this upcoming cycle. I just don't think so. Um, so I just think that it would be um, a bit alarming but a bit comical uh, to see the U.S. military going to the White House and remove him. Um, that is what I'm, I guess, in a way, looking at. And 
uh, in a roundabout way, maybe hoping that that is what happens. Um, I think that America is tired of his mess. Is that putting it uh, lightly or politely without giving it giving out uh, uh, my show? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've made your views very clear there, Robert. I appreciate you sharing them with us. Uh, we'll see if uh, Brandon or um, wants to chime in here, or if uh, Bill, if you want to jump in, go ahead. Well, I think that's something that um, is very possible. You know, and I think it's it's not unlikely that he just will find every way possible to stay in there and may have to be forcibly removed. I might come to that. I would not be surprised. Um, I, 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 thank you for calling in. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, I am willing to bet that part of your prediction is that uh, he's going to rip off that ridiculous Donald Trump mask. I mean, there's no way that hair is real. It's going to be Richard Nixon, and he's going to say, I'm back. I'm back for another year. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but, knowing him, but, uh, knowing but, him, but if we, but if we, but if we do the split screen, um, Richard Nixon, who didn't actually face the impeachment because they came to him <laughs> and they said, "Look, uh, the votes are lined up against you. It's not going to work. You're going to lose. You're going to be convicted on impeachment." And Richard Nixon resigned, and he did that not a crook and waved from the from the helicopter. Um, you guys, if uh, <laughs> there isn't going to be any resignations, there isn't going to be anything that shows any sign of weakness out of Donald John Trump. There's nothing but resistance, obfuscation, and myths, truths, you know, truthiness. We're literally. Yes. Yeah, well, my, my comment is um, yesterday I had a fantastic interview, right? With a with a musician, a singer from a 1970s band group called Sha Na Na, uh, people might remember that group. But I do. Uh, the gentleman that I was talking with, um, uh, John is his name, a lovely guy. Um, we got into the issue of uh, Donald Trump versus uh, uh, Nixon and a, a comparison between the two, and he really put a spin on that. People need to listen to. It was awesome. Nice. That sounds like it'd be a good interview. I love a little Bowser in the evening. That should be a good interview. Yep. Well, <laughs> that's exactly who it was, was Bowser. But um, yeah, he 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 absolutely put a a, a spin on that that I'd never thought of. Um, you know, and addressing the issue or the question as to why that we can't um, uh, really compare Nixon to Trump. And he gave his, his his reasoning for that, and it's enough to blow the thoughts off of you. So listen to that when Brandon puts that up on on uh, on the uh, site there for folks to listen to. We will do that. Thank you very much for calling in, Robert. We appreciate your input, and we'll have Brandon plug your show before we uh, close out tonight. Okay? Absolutely. Good luck, guys. We'll talk soon. Have a great evening. Thanks, Robert. You too. Bye. There you go, guys. If you want to call in, again, the number is 347-989-0126. Again, 347-989-0126. What's next on your hip parade, Brandon? Brandon, are you there? Brandon, can you hear me? 
We may have lost. But wait, Randall. wait, wait. There, am I? Can I be heard now? Now you can be heard. Okay. All right. So running against Donald Trump for presidency of the United States is Joe Biden. Now, uh, there's there are several headlines that uh, after he gave a presser on Tuesday. Apparently, some eagle-eyed reporters caught a photograph of the notes that he was holding, and he could be seen with some handwritten notes that defended, apparently, Kamala Harris as his VP pick. Um, And, uh, again, if callers pop on the line, please let me know. But apparently there are some Biden allies that are waging a shadow campaign to stop Kamala Harris from becoming vice president. Some of their key arguments are – um, that they're focused on her previous attacks on Biden during the primary debate, where she brought up the school busing back in the days, and they're questioning her loyalty to the former vice president. So there's some contention in the camp and in the party whether or not they want Kamala Harris. Um, do we have any callers, or uh, shall we kick it to our current panel? Let's go ahead and uh, let's get uh, our opinion here first. Bill, what's your opinion? Well, it's, Billy, there? And this is an, oh, Yes, I'm here. I was just um, I was pulling up an article about Kamala Harris. I def, this isn't a subject I, I had heard as much about, so I'm not in tune with it as much. But I guess what doesn't surprise me is that there would be any smear campaigns, you know, uh, you know, going against this or any kind of dark, you know, because I think there's just going to be continued resistance, just like there was to Elizabeth Warren being a president, just like there was to Hillary being president. There's still a resistance, I think, to women being in in power. And and, in, I mean, you see the way AOC is treated. And it just seems like there's still this resistance to to people, to, you know, powerful women in our in our major offices. And I don't really understand that myself. I never have. But it seems to be a, a continuing problem. And I don't know why. Right. Well, I mean, and you never know that I don't like the term shadow conspiracy of people trying to out Kamala Harris. Um, I don't I don't think he has a bad choice to pick. And one of the things that they're saying is um, that she they talk about a loyalty or that she's too ambitious to be president. Well, guys, the guy is going to be the oldest president in history. We need someone to planning right. on being the president pretty soon. I mean, candidates start uh, running for office the week after they're in office, right, anymore. So I think we need someone preparing to be president on day one. I think that's an important thing. But there is no loss of riches. I mean, you got Val Demings from Florida. you got Karen Bass from California. you got Susan Rice. You have Tammy Duckworth. Uh, I think there's a lot of really good people out there to choose from right. and he is supposed to choose his pick next week so i don't know i i don't i hope he doesn't listen to any of these naysayers i hope he picks with who he needs to work with i think that's what um obama did i think obama picked him because he had a gut feeling about joe that he would be the one he'd want to work with and have his back and i think uh, biden needs to do the same thing i think hopefully he learned that lesson from obama right I think I think yeah. that we also need to put a pin in this, and, and this is really important. This relates to the Portland protest. This relates to the nationwide Black Lives Matter and the movement against, you know, this systemic racism in our system since the death of George Floyd kicked off these protests now more than two months ago. Um, it is vitally important 
Um, and that's been made clear to our presumptive presidential nominee that he picked most likely a woman, but a woman of color. Um, I definitely would love to hear from any callers. By any chance, do we have a caller at this time, Scott? I do believe we have the one and only direct from Las Vegas, the showgirl himself, <laughs> Mr. Randy Fabacek. Randy, how are we doing, buddy? <laughs> Scotty, how are you? I love your introductions. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've missed you, my friend. Welcome to the show. You. How is your uh, last hundred days shaping up, my friend? Quarantine Lee. Thank you. Quarantine Lee. Well, talk to I us. What's on your mind, my friend? Blog and write. Well, listen, I, this is a great topic, first of all, because I was writing about this today on the Randy Report regarding Kamala Harris and this supposed shadow campaign against her. Good Lord, I hope this isn't true, because first of all, uh, I can be open and say I, I champion Kamala Harris as a vice presidential running mate. I really do. I think I think I'm going to vote for whoever Joe goes with, obviously. As you were just saying, Scotty, I mean, there's a, a lot of great choices, and as Biden has said he wants someone who can step in and be president on day one if they had to. He wants someone who's sympathetical with him. But I, I personally think that Kamala is the best choice because, one, she has won statewide elections several times. And I know there are other people that have been mentioned. Uh, and, you know, I think Susan Rice is awesome. She's a, a, an amazing talent and a great intellect. But she's never run for office before. And, again, it's not going to stop me from voting for Joe, but she hasn't run for office. And at this point in time, I just think we need someone like Kamala Harris who's not afraid to be that attack dog. As we all know in campaigns, a lot of the time the running mate, the the vice presidential candidate, needs to be the attack dog. And Kamala does not shirk from that role. The other thing is I think she has the resume that certainly – uh, it gives her the credit to, to be a vice presidential candidate because having been a senator for these terms, having been attorney general. And also one more thing I'll say about her that I just think has some gravity to it, and then I'll shut up, is that she had the nerve to run for the nomination herself. Good for her. She, she didn't stand on the sides and appear as just a pundit on MSNBC or CNN or some new show. She jumped in the race and had the, the guts to jump in. And I think that deserves some credit in and of itself. Um, I hope this shadow right. campaign rumor gets put to sleep pretty quick. Um, it doesn't help us. It doesn't help us to divide us already. Everything that when we, when we hear comments that seem to be dividing us already – do not serve us well for November as far as Democrats. So I'm, I'm exactly. hoping that kind of falls apart. <laughs> and I'll be quiet for a minute. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. On it. Bill, what's your take on the Kamala Harris story? Um, I, I would agree with everything that was said. I, I think she is very qualified. I have no issues, you know, to speak of with her being vice president. Um, and yeah, and she was willing to run, run for the office herself. You know, I think she would be a good choice. She's one of several that I would be very much behind. Um, so I agree. I, I would hope that, you know, this kind of stuff gets squashed and, you know, the democratic party just comes together a little bit, a little bit better. And, you know, we don't have further divisions than we already do because we obviously have enough of them. There you go. And Randy, you run the amazing uh, blog spot, uh, Randy Report, where you talk politics all the time in between 
entertainment. What are you picking up on that maybe people aren't on their radar yet? Anything that you're kind of concerned about in this race? Um, today, I will chime on. I've been listening to you guys the whole hour. Um, one thing that was just incredibly odd, not to backtrack for you guys because you, you had a lot to say about it, but Donald Trump's weird, strange pronouncements about possibly delaying the election just like you guys, I'm not surprised that, that this is something that he's saying because we've been waiting for this. But that he kind of doubled down on he doubled down on it this afternoon in that strange little press conference, and it's not going to happen. Nobody has an appetite for it. Uh, it, ha- it, 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 it clearly, as you all pointed out, the Constitution get, gives Congress the power to change this, and the, the Republicans aren't on board for it either. And I think more than anything. Uh, the few people I've talked to today, they just say that it underscores his uh, sense of insecurity about his own reelection because he wouldn't be talking about delaying an election he knows he's going to win. Right. So no, I think that's 100. It, it, yeah, I, I just think it, it's just that every day, just when we think there's no bottom to this, um, well, there's a wide bottom, I guess, if you're gay. But the, he's just no bottom <laughs> to how awful and terrible. Those people that laugh, thank you very much. I'm here every Thursday. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think there's there's just no bottom to how outrageous and the one that Donald Trump can be, and the one thing I will never forgive him for, and he doesn't need my forgiveness because I'm no fan of his at all. But what, we will never recover from what he has done to the civil discourse of politics. There was a time. Back in the day that Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House back in the early 80s, could sit down and have a drink at 5 o'clock in the Oval Office and hash out details and be civil about it. And the way he has interjected this horrible discourse that he does, there are people waiting in the wings to pick up his mantle and keep it going. And once you've left the genie out of the bottle, it's done. Our politics will always be this ugly. They will always be this... Uh, uh, in plight, you know, I just, I just can't, I, I will never, ever forgive him for the fact that we can't have political discussions anymore without being ugly the way he does today. But I will say in the, the press conference today, it was kind of odd that he was kind of robotic and there was no energy. He was very low energy, as he might say. It was almost like he didn't <laughs> believe what he was reading off. I don't know if you guys right. – he played uh, – uh, it, it was very lackluster. Like, he's kind of tired. I think he should just step it aside, <laughs> but it'll never happen. <laughs> but he, I don't think he's very – I don't think he's very into it. If he can't be in front of a crowd and and have his little, you know, fan club meetings, I don't think he's that into it. I, I think that's just my thought anyway. Well, that's, that's a good I segue, too, I think. You talk about the fan club meetings, and one of the big news stories today, of course, is the death of Herman Cain, who was at mm-hmm. the Tulsa rally, the, the well-attended Tulsa rally, tongue uh, <laughs> in cheek there, um, where people that. warned to, that they weren't social distancing, where people had to sign a waiver that if they got sick, they wouldn't sue the Trump campaign, and he died from COVID today. So I think uh, if this doesn't stop him from doing more rallies in the future, nothing's going to. Because this is going to be talked about for a while, I think. What's your guys' take? 
Um, I'm so glad that you brought up COVID because I was dying to get us into a quick COVID bit. It's not just that Herman Cain died from COVID-19, which, by the way, that should be like the headline of the day, but also um, anti-mask Louis Gohmert tested positive for COVID-19. And even worse than that, he gathered all of his staff in person to tell them in person while not wearing a mask oh, wow. that he had COVID-19. So that's, that's part insane. of what's been in the news cycle today. Um, I'd also love to get a regional check-in because I just realized that between this call, we cover Portland, Oregon, Ohio, Las Vegas, and California. So if you guys want to check in on your numbers and what's happening in your local municipalities, I'd love to hear that too. I think there's a a wild irony. I'll just say, I think there's a wild irony that Herman Cain died of COVID-19 and and most probably contracted it at that rally, that hugely, enormously attended rally, um, sad. And that he that he wouldn't he he denounced masks himself for so long. And we keep seeing this in the news. We keep seeing it over and over. I recently wrote on the Randy Report about the gay conservative uh, Tony Green in Dallas, who wrote an essay for the Dallas Voice talking about. He honestly thought he, he, he traveled in the conspiracy theories. He knew this was a democratic hoax, and he made fun of people with masks. And so he threw a party on July 13th for his family, and 14 family members became infected. One died, and his father-in-law is in the hospital on a ventilator, and he feels just horribly guilty. Um, it's just when, when it's the same people that, that make fun of or denounce the idea of face masks and having any kind of protection against COVID-19, and then they become the victims. There's, you know, the world can be seriously ironic. Um, and that, that's right. all I'll really say. I just, it's just, it's, the, the, if this was comedy, the jokes would write themselves, but it's not funny. No, well and, said. You know, another stat, I, another sad irony too is, you know, as Herman Cain battled colon cancer nine years ago and defeated it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so obviously at some point in his life, he relied on medical science and medical data and, you know, all those things. Good point. That were, yeah. And so, so for him to suddenly nine years after battling this terrible, you know, cancer, like for him to just throw caution to the wind like that seems insane to me. Mm-hmm. Right, and Brandon brought up Gomer, and all of a sudden he throws out new conspiracy theories. Like, well, I was fine because I never wore the mask until the last two weeks when we kind of had to, and I must have got COVID from being inside the mask. There was COVID in the mask or something. So, like, it's just there's never enough of these guys to kind of throw some kind of new conspiracy theory out there or something. It just boggles my mind at times. And that's the thing I'm really something I've noticed as I'm on social media more and more. It's like every day there's a new, not every day, but you know, just more prevalent. It's like everything is like a liberal part of a liberal agenda to overthrow, you know, all these all these people and oppress, you know, the the religious people, Christians, and so you know everything's a, a liberal agenda to you know make Republicans mm-hmm. look bad. It's like everything is some sort of like deep agenda by every one of these groups, whether it's, you know, Antifa members or whether it's, 
you know, members of the Democratic Party, like everything is just against them. And like, you know, it's just it's like this amazing display of no responsibility and just like everything is everybody's conspiring against us in every possible way. You know, I still see, you know, the gay agenda comments, you know, to get the gay agenda to indoctrinate all our children, you know, children are leaving, you know, the small rural communities because they're being indoctrinated by the public school system to think this certain way. And so they're working at like. It's just it just goes on and on. And I'm just like, where's the end to these kind of just everything is a conspiracy against these people. Right. Well, no, very true. Well, can, I, sorry, can I just add to that real quick? And I agree with you completely. And the interesting thing about that, when people bring it up to me, is I have friends in journalism at The New York Times and at CNN and different blah, 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 whatever. And the idea that the mainstream media would be making up all of these conspiracy, conspiracy theories, in essence, lying, which in essence would kill their careers because in journalism, all you have is your credibility. No one I know, no one would give up their credibility just because they don't like Donald Trump. They would just wait for the four years to go by. They're reporting as best they can. But I don't know a single person who's willing to give up their credibility in their career just because they don't like Donald Trump. That is the most ludicrous thing that right. I, that I hear. And, the, and, and along the same lines, uh, one of my in-laws is a nurse in the, in an ICU in New York city. And during the, the height of the pandemic, she would tell us, she would tell my husband and I, guys, if you just spent 30 minutes, it, it's seeing what I see all day. If you spent 30 minutes, you would know this isn't some conspiracy. This is not some, some thing to bring Donald Trump down. So when all those people, like you were saying, when all these people come up with liberal conspiracy theories, I just want to go, nobody wants to give up their living for that. They don't care. But, but lives are at stake. And that's what this is really all about. But they can't wrap their head around that, which is odd. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great point. I love that. Well, guys, you only have about 12 minutes left. I want to bring up one final subject here for an article I read that I thought was kind of interesting. I want to get your take uh, in a different way. But uh, uh, there was a poll done by Gen Z Democrats that uh, Trump is swamping Biden in digital ads and nearly half of the youngest Democratic voters say that they've seen digital advertising from President Trump, but only one in five has said they've seen any Biden ads. So these were 18 to 39-year-olds in battleground states. Uh, They found, like I said, 40% of younger voters saw short ads or something on Facebook or social media or TikTok or somewhere for GOP presidential campaign, and only 21% saw anything for Biden or Democrats. My question, kind of leapfrogging off that, is what do you think we need to do to get the vote out in general, not just Generation Z, but in general? Brandon, start with you. Okay. Well, so Bill talked about social media. Um, Since you can't fill up these big – and we talked about this the other day. You can't fill up these big arenas, so there aren't going to be big chants and stadiums for the other side. Social media is the way television – um, Scott, I don't want to counter your narrative. I'm so sure that article you wrote was correct, but listen to this. Published on Fox News only three hours ago, 
this byline. Trump campaign takes a brief pause on its TV advertising. He's already outspent Ooh. Biden 10 to 1, so they're going to take a brief pause on their TV advertising. So we're actually going to catch a little bit of a break from his frontal assault. But um, social media, my, my answer is social media. Use the power of social media, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever the kids are into, get the word out that way. Next. Bill, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I would say, like, you know, people, yeah, people of all ages need to come together more. I think that's another division that's happened, you know, gradually over, to, over the few, last few decades is there's more and more of this division between younger people and older people. And, you know, like, especially with people that are remotely on the same side of things, it's another chance, it's another chance to just really unite and then pay attention to each other and try to understand the different perspectives so we can all communicate and, and know where we're at and then work together with that and inform each other and everything else rather than just being, you know, boomers hating millennials and millennials hating boomers and generation Xers not knowing what, what the hell is where they stand with everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. Communication. Um, yeah. Randy, what about you, bud? Well, I agree with Bill that the communication thing is very important. And in engaging younger versus older voters, what everyone – I think we are all well advised that if we can listen more and nod our head and say out loud, I see your point, which, by the way, how often do we really hear that? Younger people right. want to feel like they're heard. They want to feel like they've been listened to. This is just my opinion. So that communication is very important, and instead of telling young voters how they should feel, listen to them, and especially if you're someone like this group of people I'm speaking with right now who's very educated on the, on the policies and, and the, the topics of the day, be able to say those things. Say, I hear you, oh, I understand that, and then guide the, the conversation to make sure that you open it up so that you can converse and talk about these things. You know. And, and also Facebook, Facebook, yes, social media, because that's where they are. They're not watching the news. They're not watching the news. Get on social media. The great thing about things like Facebook ads and everything is they can be targeted, and, and the money can be well spent in the states like the battleground states. I'm looking at real, real clear politics, battleground states, polls right now. And the good news for now and I will preface everything about polls by saying, yes, we don't ever look at national polls because, I mean, you know, a thousand, a huge number in California and New York will skew everything, so who cares? But I do look at swing state, battleground state polls, and the averages right now, the averages in Wisconsin, Biden is up by five points, North Carolina, three and a half, Florida, 6.7, Pennsylvania, six, Michigan, eight, uh, and Arizona, three. If Biden can win three of those states by half of those margins, let, let's like discount those polls, the averages down to half, like which is probably not probable, but let's go with that. If he can win three of those states, he'll win. So we, we do need to keep an eye on things like that. And the great thing about social media is that they can target those vital swing states. No, uh, you know, Alabama is going to go for Trump. So it's going to be what it is. And California is going to go for Biden. But, but the right. social media usage and targeting is very important. And we need to listen to people. We need to listen and say, I see your point, because there's, there's too much of an echo chamber sometimes going on. And the one last thing I'll say real quick in 10 seconds is I get so tired of the resist, but not like that, like me. Well, there are a lot of ways to resist, folks. 
so as long as you stand on the side of right, <laughs> just make sure, just right. keep doing it. You're fine. You're fine. We all don't have to resist the same way as long as we resist. Well, right. Said. Yeah, I'm going to go actually very low tech on you guys and say something really. So there's, I had an interesting seat at the table in the 2016 election. I invited um, Democrats into my house to do phone banking for 10 weeks before the election. So we were talking to a lot of people. And one of the things that was very interesting, and we're from a, a, a mostly older area here in Northeast Ohio, that is the youth vote, but something very low tech and silly that we had a problem with in 2016 is yard signs. We could not get the Hillary Clinton campaign to get us yard sales, the yard signs in Northeast Ohio to save our lives. And I do think, where social media has that visual impact for the younger crowd, I think driving mm-hmm. around and seeing so many Trump or Biden signs all over the lawns of the neighborhoods where you live is actually a very subliminal way to talk about the vote and to be kind of uh, show some support and show what the thinking is in your area. And we were oh, pulling teeth. We had people calling in left, right, and center. People we were calling one of yard signs that we couldn't get it to them. And there was Trump yard signs all over the frickin' place here, but barely any Hillary. And that leads me to my last point. I think we need to get our our computerized game much better. Um, I think that's one of the ways the Republicans won in 2016 is by reaching out. We did phone banking here for 10 weeks. I got lists of... 800 to 1,000 names every week of, of registered Democrats to call and try to get out the vote. Of those 1,000 a week that we phone called, 80% of them were disconnected, wrong numbers, didn't live there anymore. They are not keeping up with what's going on. And I think we have to learn in today's digital age, we really need to keep up digitally to where our voters are to get, to get out the vote. So I think both high tech and low tech, we have some ways to go before things happen. But guys, I appreciate I all your conversation. Yeah. We only have about two minutes left. Let's let everyone get in a, a final thought, Brandon. Um, so I was, I'll guess I'll give you the 30 second update on Portland, Oregon. Um, Governor Kate Brown announced that she had worked out an arrangement with Vice President um, Pence and with the um, FPS for the federal troops to withdraw from Portland, Oregon. Um, There seems to be some back and forth. There's been some tweets from the president pushing back on that, saying that our governor needs to secure the courthouse. So it's a work in progress. At this point, our governor is telling the media and telling us as constituents that the federal police are going to leave Portland, but that Oregon State Police or Oregon State Troopers are going to take over watch of the courthouse. So we should hopefully see a transition of this chaos and less chaos coming out of Portland here very soon. It's, there's been some progress. Great. Thanks for that update. Uh, Bill, what do you want to leave us with today? Um, I, just everybody try to stay informed about everything. Fact check things, um, any information that comes your way, dive deep if you have to. I'm just real big fan of like, you know, correct information being out there and being shared with people. And as far as LA, I, I'm looking, you know, we're kind of still experiencing the same COVID spikes kind of going up and down. It went down for about a week and now it's on its way back up. And so I don't know where that's going to go. Um, and we had an earthquake here this morning. 
with some aftershocks. That's our big news in L.A. <laughs> there you go. Randy, final thoughts. Well, since I'm in Las Vegas, I should let you all know you probably all saw our mayor, who, by the way, she had her interview a couple of months ago with Anderson Cooper, and it was kind of the roller coaster ride. So since I'm on, I want to let you guys know um, two things. One, we know her. She's actually a very nice person, but that was not the Mayor uh, Goodman that I know and uh, the way she was acting on that thing. And since then, she's become very quiet here in Las Vegas, very quiet. The other thing I want people to know is, by the way, this is an interesting thing. You know, across the, the United States, when you meet the mayor of Atlanta or the mayor of Houston or the mayor of New York or the mayor of Portland, they're the mayor of those cities. Mayor Goodman is the mayor of downtown Las Vegas. Old Las Vegas. Now, Scotty, you've been here. Um, we, like, her jurisdiction does not actually even affect the Las Vegas Strip, which a lot of people wow. don't know. Um, I did not know so that. when she appears on national TV as the mayor of Las Vegas, she is the Las Vegas mayor, but she, does not, she has no jurisdiction. The county commission actually controls the Las Vegas Strip. So when she was giving that wild ride of an interview to Anderson Cooper a couple of months back. You just need to go back and remember she has she she just covers like the downtown area where all the old casinos are, which is so wild. We're doing better here in Las in Las Vegas in Nevada and I think our uh governor has tiptoed and sidestepped and jumped over a lot of potholes and he's doing the best job he can and he's trying to keep us safe while also dealing with the economy. And I'm a moderate kind of guy, so I appreciate that my, my governor has done the job that he's done. And we recently have kind of come out of phase one, two, and three into what he's now called no-phase land. So we're kind of opening up, but everything's on a case-by-case basis, which is kind of wild. But anyway, listen, yeah. thanks for letting me join you guys. I don't mean to co-op your conversation, but I love listening to you guys. You're awesome. We love having you on. Thank you so much for coming on, Randy. Nick, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick, I don't know where I got Nick from. That's his final song I'm going to play here. Bill, sorry about that. Uh, we appreciate no you guys I... calling in. We are going to be here every day, uh, Monday through Friday, for the next 96 days till we kick off this election. So please listen in. Tell your friends. Give us a call. Appreciate you, Brandon, being the co-host. And uh, we are going to play out with a little Nick Meadows. He is a YouTube sensation, and I think it uh, works for me. It's His song is called Don't Want It, and I'll let you draw your own conclusions. You're listening to the last 100 days right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Guys, stay on the line. Bye-bye. You don't got that energy that I like. That I like You're not who you wanna be At the night Yeah, tonight You've been acting like you never seen my face before I just keep on giving But you always wanting more You've been taking all my air getting hard to breathe It's never for me So you got to leave